0: Multipotentiality—it's about our lives, right? It's mm-hmm. about our creativity. It's about who we are. It's about our identity. It's about who we want to be. It's about our philosophy. It's about all these different things. And within the the, the box—and it is a box—but there's so much room within that, that I never get bored.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Careers to Play Today, I'm speaking with Jake McNeil. Jake's content speaks to me directly, and I think it would to you too, if you have a lot of passions and a lot of ideas, and you're always told to stay in your lane and niche down. Instead, we're talking with Jake about niching up, not niching down, and how to combine your passions into your brand new career 2.0. Enjoy. Let's start maybe with your experience with people who have multiple passions uh, and you've been working for over two decades with artists mostly, and you realize, right, that all of them basically are multi-passionalites. They have more than one passion, more than one interest. Um, I see the same. I see it all around, especially in creator economy, but I wonder, is it? more common for people to be multi than actually be monopassionalites, actually?
0: Yeah, simply because uh, it's part of creativity, so to be a multi or a multi-passionate um, uh, it requires diversion thinking, which means that we think in a very, very wide lens. So we've got multidisciplinary thinking. We, ha- we know lots, or we know uh, quite a lot about lots of different subjects, and it's by adding those different subjects together, which gives us our diversion thinking, which gives us our creativity. Whereas uh, a convergent thinker, which is a neurotypical, they uh, think very convergently. So they think 5 plus 5 equals 10. There's only one definitive answer. But our brains go, how many different numbers can we add together to make 10? And that gives us multiple different answers, which gives us our creativity. But
1: how is that? Um, Do you think that inherently most people are convergent thinkers? Or is it like educational system that molds us into this, uh, you know, basically labor market that is requires one particular skill. That's what we need to focus on. And only now we're sort of exploring ourselves uh, wider.
0: Yeah, pretty much so. So uh, the NASA, in the 1960s, the NASA's did a uh, creativity tests. So they were the first one to do it. And they used it as a divergent thinking test. And all they simply did is they gave uh, kids uh, a, a fork. And they had to say, how many different uses can you come up with this fork, right? And by the way, this is the same methodology they used to hire the scientists that got the first man on the moon. So it's a very effective, it's a very effective test. So they tried it out with uh, five-year-olds and 98% of the kids were divergent thinkers, which uh, NASA at the time deferred, uh, referred to as creative geniuses. They went back five years' time uh, when the kids were 10 and only 16% of the same kids were divergent thinkers. They went back five years' time again when they were 15 and only 2% of the kids were, remained divergent thinkers. So for, in the main, um, we all start off as divergent thinkers as kids. We're very curious. We're very creative. We, we, we love to create things for the joy of creating things as opposed to outcomes, results. So a few things happen. Uh, so once you hit about six or seven, our consciousness kicks in. So that's we start, our fear of failure, our fear of not being good enough, comparing ourselves next to others. So that means we stop taking risks. We stop doing, taking so many chances and pushing ourselves creatively. So that's one aspect. The other aspect is that we're, we're taught to think convergently. 5 plus 5 equals 10. That's how we're that's how we're educated. So we're educated to be converted thinkers because the world is full of neurotypicals, which is the majority. And they uh you know, it's a specialized uh you're you're trained to be a specialist. You pick one thing, you do it for 10,000 hours, you become an expert, blah blah blah. But creative people aren't like that because multipotentialite is the psychological term for people who have multiple creative and or academic talents.
1: But hey, maybe maybe it's better to be um to, to be to think more linearly, because after all, you are here to help us with um, managing our multiple passions. So that's a that, is that a problem, <laughs> or we should strive to actually be uh, multi aids?
0: Well, I mean, uh, we are what we are, right? I'm I'm a neurodivergent, so that means I'm a divergent thinker, right? So what I have to do is I have to maximize my potential. Uh, by maximizing the, uh, the blessings of multi-potentiality and minimizing the curses, right? And that's the same. For if, if you're a neurotypical, it's the same. But the best problem solvers are actually divergent thinkers because um, if you look at the Einsteins, the Charles Darwins, the Marie Curie's, the Florence Nightingales, all these people were all multi uh, like people and they, they were skilled in multiple domains. And to solve problems, we have to uh, uh, t- you know, use our multidisciplinary thinking to join the dots, spot differences, and add things together to create new and unique solutions.
1: But if we are sort of molded into this uh, neurotypical way of thinking, uh, can we reverse the process?
0: Well, I mean, this 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 is the social conditioning. Our social conditioning tells us that we have to niche down. We have to pick one thing. That we have to be consistent. We have to be productive. These are all strengths of neurotypicals, but they're all weaknesses uh, of multipotentialites. So we have to find different ways to be able to do it. So instead of niching down, so niching down is taking something. So if I was to niche down, I'd only work. I'd work with multipotentialites only in productivity, and that's all I would talk about. Just mm-hmm. write blogs about productivity, videos about productivity, and I would not last a week because I'd be bored silly. So, so what I suggest to do instead, instead of niching down, minimizing our talents into one single thing, is to add our talents up together. Talent stacking, and call that niching up. That's something that you talk a lot about, and um, I do. And and, and uh, I
1: wonder, what does it exactly mean? So, um, I don't want to, to turn this into any sort of um, session, a therapy session for myself or a coaching session. But let let's use let's use me as an example. Me even hosting this podcast is an example of my multi-passionate approach to life. I'm doing sales, I'm doing graphic design, and now I'm a host of the podcast. And money in my life comes from many different ways. And I'm being constantly told, well, maybe you should start this business. Maybe you should focus on this. Maybe you should do this specifically. How would I go about niching up all my interests, or some of them at least, into some mold?
0: Well, it all depends on the, uh, what your, your skills and talents are. Let, let me use somebody like Dr. Seuss as a good example, right? So Dr. Seuss was a copywriter. He also, he's also happens to be the best-selling uh, children's author of all time. So he, he was a copywriter, and he was a poet um, and an illustrator, but very much on an amateur basis. Now, he created, he, he stacked up his skills for storytelling, for creativity, for copywriting, for poetry and illustration. And if you stack all those things up, then he became a world-class author,
1: so that's building your own niche, basically, like creating your own category. So right. what are the ways that we can find that? How do you help people find that niche that is up?
0: So as divergent thinkers, we've got multiple ideas. Every time you have an idea, it gives you another idea and it gives you another idea. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So the problem is, is that we have too many ideas. It's not that we don't have enough ideas. So if mm-hmm. you're neurotypical, you're probably good at one or two things. So it's very easy for you to build a business. So for example, my father, he's neurotypical. He's retired now, but he was only ever good at one thing, which was with numbers. So he took that one skill and he became an accountant and that solved the problem for small businesses with their tax, VAT, etc., et cetera, et cetera. So if you're neurotypical, it's very simple. If you are multi-potentialite, you have multiple ideas, you've got multiple talents. So which one do you focus on? Because if you focus on one, then you feel formal for all the rest, right? You think, okay, well, I'm going to focus on my podcasting skills, Mm -hmm. but what about my sales skills? What about my this skills, right? Okay, so we have to find ways to be able to uh, take all those ideas and minimize them. So we have to use mental models. We have to use frameworks. So one of the frameworks I use is we look at solving specific problems. So, for example, like I struggled with picking one idea. I struggled with multi-potentiality uh for my for my whole career i I watched artists in the music industry some of them who sold millions of albums number ones also struggle with the same thing so what i'm now doing is i've created a bunch of solutions and i'm helping the younger version of myself with a problem i've already faced and this means that that what i do is very purposeful and, and fulfilling it's something that i a problem i have solved myself and i could help the younger version of myself do that and that helps me narrow down. Cause i could do multiple different things because like you i'm a creator uh, i'm also a writer i'm a blogger I, I do videos i do all these different things but i focus it in one direction which is to help multi-potentialites you know fulfill their creative potential
1: can we um move back in your career a little bit and i know that you had a blog for like i think year and a half or a couple of years and change the 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 niche and the uh, the audience that was targeted multiple times was about everything and 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 nothing right so yeah how did you reach your conclusion and you find found that making content or make helping people that are basically a younger version of yourself is the way to to go
0: yeah well so I mean I, I worked in the music industry for 28 years so I was an artist manager now as our artist managers have multi-potentialites have to be very good artist managers because you're doing multiple things. You're, you're overseeing. It's a very uh, big picture thinking, strategic overview where you're looking after many different things, radio, promotion, blah, blah, marketing, et cetera. Right. Uh, it was during this period that I noticed that all the artists were multi-potentialites, right? But I didn't know what multi-potentialite was at the time. I didn't know I didn't uh, I didn't know it was neurodivergent. I didn't know they were near yeah, near right. divergent. but now I realize that's what it well is, right? And what happens is that they were picking, you know, they have come to me with a song idea and say, I have oh, this great idea for a song. Okay, two days later, I'd say, How's it going with this song? Oh, I've moved on to another song, I've moved on to another song, I've moved on to another song. Okay. So basically, throughout the course of this, I had to come up with a bunch of strategies and frameworks to help people pick one thing. Okay. So take their divergent thinking and converge it, right? And then to start and finish that project. And that carried over. So when I left the music industry, I was no longer an artist manager, obviously. After 28 years, I had no idea what I was going to do in my life. So I was stuck, right? And I kept spinning my wheels because I could do this and I could do that, I could do that. So I was stuck in what I call the divergent thinking paradox, where we have so many ideas, but we are overwhelmed with the paradox uh, of choice, which means we get stuck and then we procrastinate. And of course, our self-esteem is directly linked to our productivity. So if we're not being productive, we start we lose our confidence and we start being a up and so on. And I was caught in this spiral for about nine months. So eventually I decided, right, I'm just going to take you know, I'm going to start a blog and I'm, I'm mildly dyslexic so I can teach myself to write effectively um, and I just started writing about whatever felt natural and authentic to me so at the time I was burned out so I started writing about burnout then I started talking about high functioning anxiety Then I started talking about strategy and I started, I started talking about all these different things now this eventually led me I was following my curiosity and this eventually led me to what I'm doing now because this is how I discovered multipotentiality. potentiality I went, oh, this is who I am and then of course I focused on that and then uh, I took that, went onto TikTok, built a 130,000 plus audience pretty quickly, um, and that all came into that. So basically, it was very much following my, my curiosity because previous to that, I was doing the very sort of neurotypical social conditioning. It's like have a plan, have a five year mm-hmm. plan. I was kicking down doors. I was, even though I worked in an unconventional industry, in the music industry, I had very much con- you know a conventional uh, success system, right? And that led me to a lot of burnout, uh, chronic stress, insomnia, anxiety, et cetera, et cetera, right? Whereas what I do now, it's very much following my curiosity. So I don't have any real plans. It's very much like Taoism or something like that, right? Or Taoism. And uh, I, I just, whatever I feel curious about, I do that because I can only feel curious one thing at a time. And of course, I feel very motivated when I feel curious because it's very authentic. You can't fake curiosity. So I follow my curiosity and that's what's led me to here.
1: Do you think that we all need this time for exploration, like you were just, you know, throwing stuff out of yourself, basically, in order to to, to put them out on a table and then, wow, the the revelation sort of came? Or or are there some mental models and frameworks that that could allow us to speed up the process, basically, a hack, a trick to just realize this much faster?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You have to create content. Uh, the creating content is the fastest way to discover your purpose or you know your unconventional path, whatever you want to call it, right? And this has been proven time and time again. If you listen to Steve Jobs, he talks about following your curiosity. Richard Feynman, uh, the multi-potentialite Nobel Prize winner, his whole method is uh, of teaching and rapid learning is to find something you feel passionate about and then create your own content about it, right? So if you look at, if you listen to um, uh, Einstein, uh, uh, Albert Einstein was always going on about following your curiosity. Um, uh, uh, Marie Curie, everyone talks about following your curiosity. Because we have so many different options available to us, we can only be curious at one thing at a time, as I mm-hmm. mentioned earlier. So therefore, if we keep following those curiosities, they will eventually take us to where we are. But there's a whole bunch of different um, frameworks and mental models that go along the, in conjunction with that. But ultimately, that's what it is.
1: It makes me think, how do you feel about your niche right now? So I understand that you found something that you feel very connected to and you're helping people that you see younger version of yourself. So that is definitely fulfilling, right? But at the same time, you are a little bit. Close, let's say in a box of now being the guy that helps multi-passionalites and maybe you have other interests somewhere you know something pops up here and there and you want to explore it but your business is now based here so you need to focus you need to be on my podcast you need to talk about the same things you've been talking about for 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 the last you know couple of years isn't it tiring for a multi-passionalite like yourself
0: no because we've got so many different problems, right? So creativity, Mm -hmm. overcoming perfectionism, procrastination, uh, fulfilling your potential, right? Finding purpose, creating purpose, uh, being more philosophical, being more productive. There's so many different areas within it. I I find I go off when I follow my... So my current thing is, my current obsession is... Uh, uh, deconstructing the neurotypical social conditioning, and that's basically all the the rules and con- conventional norms and societal expectations that have been thrust upon us. Mm-hmm. I.e., you've got a you got a niche down, you've, you can only pick one thing, spend ten thousand hours, be a specialist. It's the only way to be a good capitalist. So I find that I'm uh, this is this is my current uh, obsession and i will i will create lots of content around about that and then i will form a curiosity within multi-potentiality into something else maybe it's productivity maybe it's about uh, I don't know, living a good life. Who knows where it'll be? But the point is, is that the, the multi-potentiality, it's about our lives, right? It's mm-hmm. about our creativity. It's about who we are. It's about our identity. It's about who we want to be. It's about our philosophy. It's about all these different things. And within the, the, the box, and it is a box, but there's so much room within that that I never get bored.
1: How much do you follow your curiosity? And how much do you follow the curiosity or questions and problems of your audience
0: it's all my curiosity but by solving my problem so if let's say if you see if you read an article about mine about from me about perfectionism mm-hmm. it's because I've been feeling perfectionistic when I wrote that if you watch a video about uh, of mine about productivity it's because I'm feeling unproductive at the time. So what I'm doing is I'm processing my emotion because uh, most potentialites have deep emotional worlds, right? And if we don't deal with our our, uh, emotions, we sweep them under the carpet and they overspill, we get burnt out, maybe we lose our temper, maybe we get pissed off, maybe we get depressed, whatever. The point is we're we're highly emotional people, right? So I use my content to process my emotions. So as I say, if I feel uh, procrastination, I will write an article about procrastination, which stops me procrastinating. Now, by solving my problem, I know that I'm also solving my audience's problem because they have the same problems as me because they are literally the younger version of me. So instead of this neurotypical kind of thing, hey, create your marketing avatars, let's make up these fictitious people, which is, uh, is very inauthentic. What I do is I don't have to know what my audience, well, what do my audience want to read or watch today? I know what I need to write or create today and by solving my problem, I also solving their, their problems, too, in a really authentic way.
1: Yeah, I, I saw you mention somewhere, I think, that uh, you have around more than 70 videos at a time uh, that are ready, edited, ready to be posted. <laughs> but but, yeah. but because you didn't feel like this emotion when you
0: created it, you didn't actually post it, right? Correct. So, so let me explain about that For me, it's all about authenticity, right? So uh, I... Uh, one of the neurotypical social conditioning things is say, "Hey, listen, it's it's you should batch record content," and it's I totally get that, right? It's also the same if you should have a content calendar, right? I have I I don't have a content calendar. I I don't know what I'm what I'm going to create tomorrow. I just create in the moment, right? However, batching recording makes complete sense, right? So I uh, basically on TikTok, I thought, right, okay, I'll go and record five videos. So I recorded five videos. I posted one of them, uh, and I put the other four in my drafts, and I would do that mm-hmm. in the following days. But of course, when I come to do that, I'm in a different emotional space than I was when I first created that video, and therefore it no longer feels authentic, and I never post them. So yeah, I've got 67, I believe, fully recorded, edited um, videos in my TikTok draft folder, and that's a very common multi-potentialite thing. I mean, so like you're, you're laughing away there, so I'm assuming that you have similar stories, right? Yeah,
1: well, of course. I mean, I I, <laughs> I have tried time blocking and batching and a lot of different tactics yeah. and hacks any day lasted. I, I managed for a day or two, maybe three. Yeah. And that was sort of it. <laughs> it just it just runs in my brain, runs away in a different direction. And it's just uh, difficult to come back to that specific thing. And honestly, when I watched your TikTok videos and I was scrolling through your content, I was like, oh, damn. You see right through me, basically. But it's only, um, it's
0: only, it's only, I, I can only see myself. Yeah. You see. I had no idea. When I started, nobody mm-hmm. was talking about my potentiality on TikTok. There was a couple of French videos that had maybe a couple hundred views, but that was it. So um, I had no idea. I just started talking about it because it was a way for me to process, you know, my emotions and talk about my curiosity. And it just so happened by me talking about my problems and everybody else did the
1: same. All right. then let's, let's, let's talk TikTok. Um, you grew quite fast. So I guess that's because you found actually a, a, a sort of a lacking space and someone needed to, to, to speak out for thousands of people who feel exactly like that. Uh, and you think that that's what, what grew you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, as I said, uh, when I when I researched it, the first thing you should do when you're researching a niche is you should see how much demand there already is for it. Right. Mm-hmm. So in TikTok, there was zero. Okay. And I just thought, OK, so I started for originally, my first videos at the very beginning were talking about introverted careers, because I'm also introverted and a career, obviously. So I was talking introverted careers and um, uh, stuff like that. Then uh, I did a video with David Boy, who's a multi-potentialite, right, and how he stacked up his interests to create Ziggy Stardust, which, uh, which of course, launched him from well, being a one-hit wonder uh, into international global uh, startup, right? And of course, that, that went viral. So yeah, I got lucky. Um, but it's not something that uh, I did. I, I, I started that TikTok account to, to, as a way to just process all the information and curiosity. I went into it thinking no one's ever going to get this. And, as, uh, and bizarrely, uh, uh, even because I didn't have so much pressure on myself, oh, I've got to create this big audience, I inadvertently created a big audience.
1: What was your goal when you started?
0: It was purely I just was fascinated with multipotentiality. potentiality mm-hmm. um, uh, my goal, so, so so there was that, but my main goal was to overcome the fear of being seen, you know, the fear of putting myself out there. I never started uh, my career journey uh, until I was 49. Um, and of course, because I'd spent 28 years uh, helping other creators yeah. be creative, right? I was I was a shadow artist. Uh, for anyone that's read uh, Julia Cameron's The Arts Way, I was I was an, a shadows artist. So in other words, I hid my creativity behind my artists. And I pushed them and that gave me enough connection to creativity. So I, I was it was a bit of voyeurism, I suppose, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at the age of 49, I left the music industry and I said, look, I need to do something. I need to overcome this fear. So first of all, I started writing the blog. And of course, that's a lot easier because you're not putting face out there or whatever. And then when it came to uh, uh, TikTok, I took it as a challenge. And I said, OK, I'm going to post 30 videos in 30 days. Not to build an audience, but just so that I could expose myself to uh, my perfectionism to overcome it, which worked, by the way. Um, But what the other benefit was that I was talking about my passion, my curiosity, and it just so happened that you know millions of other tens and tens of millions of other people also have the same problem that uh, I do.
1: Did the viral Bowie video happen already in the first thirty days, or that or that was later?
0: No, that was day thirty-one. So if I stopped at day thirty, we wouldn't be having this conversation. And yeah. if, uh, by the way, nobody believes me. Go out, you can go back to the beginning and count it.
1: Okay, I will. I will count. <laughs>
0: you don't have to, but 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 for for people that don't believe me,
1: if you're lying, I'm gonna put a little warning on the screen. Absolutely, okay. <laughs> absolutely,
0: it's not a lie. Everyone, you know, I tell this to clients, and then I see them the following week or two weeks later, whatever, mm-hmm. right? And they'll go, "It's true. It was the thirty-first video." I say, "I know." So yeah, so basically, I uh, I uh, I said I'll do thirty videos for thirty days, and if I the way I look at things uh, to overcome perfectionism, I don't. I, I I I treat everything as tiny messy experiments. Mm-hmm. So my, my uh, uh, newsletter it's now it's got just under ten thousand subscribers, and it's three. It's, well, next week it's three years old, right? But I started it as a, a a tiny messy experiment. I said I'll do four articles in four weeks, and if I still enjoy doing it after that period of time, I'll continue. And here we are. The uh, TikTok. I said, okay, I'll do thirty videos in thirty days and if I still enjoy it I'll keep going and then on the 31st day I had my first viral video then I had another one then another one and so on and the reason I the reason I do that is it it removes my identity from the fear of failure cuz it's just an experiment some experiments work and some experiments don't so everything for me is an experiment
1: it's a very healthy approach I love it yeah um and right now your TikTok grew to over 100,000 people um but I, when I talk with creators, especially those that are huge on TikTok and not many place else, is that there isn't much business coming from TikTok. How, do, how is it for you?
0: Yeah, I disagree. I, uh, I mean, I've got a six-figure business and mm-hmm. that's all come from TikTok. I mean, but what happens is TikTok's is just your discovery channel, right? Exactly. So you need to have a discovery. And uh, the term is a nurturing channel, but I hate it because it sounds very manipulative. But it's a relationship building channel, right? So my discovery channel is TikTok. People come, they see me, find me on TikTok. And then I've got a lead magnet, which takes them into the newsletter. And then over the course of the newsletter, whenever they're ready to buy, bear in mind most most people don't, then they approach me and yeah, we do one-to-ones, um, starting a community uh, next week. Uh, I've got online courses, et cetera, et cetera. But for me, it's been fantastic.
1: Do all of your sales come from uh, your email list?
0: Yes, uh, my I've got a website uh, which mm-hmm. my friend designed and it's very beautiful. But only one percent of my sales come from my web, from my website, wow. and ninety nine percent come from TikTok to newsletter to sale.
1: Do you know if you track it even? How long it takes for people from the moment they sign up, on average, to make a first purchase?
0: Yeah, but ten percent people book me directly just from TikTok. They go, "Oh mm-hmm. my god, this guy gets me!" Right? Like I've, if, I've, yeah. You know, I, I've got to contact this guy, right? So, uh, but ten percent of people do that. But most people, um, and it, if I don't track it per se, but some of them could be a couple of weeks, and some of them are like two years. Oh, um, okay. that's what that's what's interesting. I, you know, I've got clients way before I was talking about multi potentiality. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that that's, that's something else that's interesting for uh, your customers, is that when you're really authentic and you create authentic content, you will, you will just naturally attract your audience. So I was attracting multi-potentialites, neurodivergent people before I even, I'd even heard of the term neurodivergent or even talked about it. Um, so people that were following me back in the, in the time where I was talking about, well, going through 10 different niches, right? Um, it turns out that they were multi-potentialites. And yeah, some of them have become long-term clients for many, many months. Your
1: videos seem like I like this term cookie cutter system. Uh, you seem yeah. to sit down in front of the camera, one, two, three, ten videos uh, done. You're not in too much in, in. You're not bothered too much about the quality or the editing or the fancy subtitles or anything like it. Um, have you ever tried it or you considered it or you thought no? I I, I would be too distracted too quickly to to to, fo- to follow. And it's better to do anything. Be uh, focus on the content rather than on, the, on the quality Absolutely. of the video itself
0: for, for me it's all about simplicity right everything is about simplicity right because if, if I say okay I want to make the best TikTok videos ever right I'm going to buy that course I'm going to do this I'm going to do this before you know I've got I've, it's so, built up so much in my head I've become over perfectionistic I have unrealistic expectations and the videos will never go out so for me TikTok is all about being raw I just pick up the phone and I just record it and when as long as I get the message out there And I've had multiple viral videos, some, you know, with millions. Uh, And it's not about the quality of the editing or the camera or any of that stuff. That's just all bullshit, right? That's all the kind of stuff that gets us stuck and stops us actually starting creating. It's about the content.
1: Oh, but you started having some um, visualizations, uh, cartoonish uh, images. How are you producing those? Because they were pretty cool. Oh,
0: do you mean like the stick figures? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the stick figures is just Canva. Yeah, so basically, Canva Pro's got basically stick figures, and uh, there's a a very famous uh, blog, Wait by Why, which was Mm -hmm. very big around the Facebook time. Many people know it. And of course, he he always used um, stick figures, he always drew them in. I thought that's a really cool way of being able to uh, use something very simple, because I'm all about simplicity, uh, to describe complex uh, situations. So I just went to Canva and said, Oh, stick figure, and they had all these, you know, there's this artist. and he's clearly a multi potentialite because there's lots of content about him looking confused or which way do I go or which way, you know all that comes.
1: Uh, and coming back to the viral video, I saw you reposting the video in a similar way multiple yeah. times. Have you have you seen it performing equally good multiple times over and over?
0: No, I I, th- I think you definitely do. Um, it definitely works, but it, it's it's uh, the laws of diminishing returns. So you uh-huh. get you for me, it's gone less and less and less, right? Um, but it's, it's, def- it's definitely worthwhile to uh, repost content. Uh, the, uh, some of it's gone the other way as well, where it, where a video's been relatively successful, maybe 10, 20,000 views, and I put it out again, and it's got 100,000, 200,000 views.
1: Do you have some system for reposting the same stuff?
0: No, I, I don't plan anything. If I plan anything, I get I, I become a perfectionist. And if I become perfectionistic, I just don't get shit done. So, so basically, I just go, okay, what will I do today? Um, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm literally, I've got an article, I put out two newsletters, once mm-hmm. on a Wednesday, once on a Saturday, and I have never have anything planned. It's like, okay, well, how am I feeling today? And that scares a lot of people, and it used to yeah. scare me, but I know that I'll always come up with something, because the, you know, the, the kind of things that motivate me is a challenge, novelty, deadline, um, passion, or curiosity, and purpose. And I know that because when deadlines come around, right, that helps focus uh, our, our creativity and we always get stuff done. So in other words, to answer your question, um, some days I just go, I don't feel like doing a video today. I'll just repurpose one of my other ones. Which one shall I go? I'll go, oh, okay, I'll just do that one. So there's no system to it.
1: I'm struck by how different this advice is to what I usually hear and how much more I resonate with it, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, the problem is that we, ha- we have all these rules and red, you know, and uh, living up to them means getting stuck in perfectionism. And the problem with getting stuck in perfectionism is that we don't publish content. Yeah. And it's more important to publish content than to create perfect content that nobody ever sees. Um, I had one more question regarding your, um,
1: your your videos and your creativity on TikTok. Uh, repurposing is the buzzword of of the year, and I wonder why you're not on Shorts or Reels. It would be so easy for you to just post it somewhere else.
0: Yeah, it's because I have a limited uh, bandwidth. Uh, because basically, yeah, if, if for me to repurpose and all all these different sites means I need to upload, I need to maintain it, and basically I get uh, uh, overwhelmed and stressed. Uh, you know, so I keep I, it so simple. I, I keep it simple, basically. <laughs> I mean, my whole thing's keeping it simple. Um, I am, uh, I, I do do a bit on LinkedIn. I'm going to start doing some more LinkedIn stuff. I'm going to take the content uh, that I'm creating, the frameworks and models that I'm creating. Um, uh, for the community, and I'm going to repurpose that to an extent, um, keeping most of the mm-hmm, exclusive mm-hmm. content for the community, of course. But basically, yeah, I, I, everything's about simplicity for me. Now, again, this will go against pretty much every, uh, every, most guests you've had on here. But I don't have any. Fantastic. I don't have. I don't, I don't have any um, uh, email sequences. I've got no funnels. I've got nothing at all. It, my business is super simple. I have a website, and honestly, it only produces one percent of my business. So honestly i I could do without a website altogether and it's just basically creating content um vulnerable content that connects deeply with an audience okay so i'm not manipulating them i'm uh, i'm resonating with them uh and that the only funnel is basically from TikTok into the newsletter and people buy when they're ready that's it boom
1: and we have our snippet we have our show thank you very much everybody All right, you're also part of um, creator community, maybe more than once. We are share we share one community that we we're do. in together. Um, and I wonder how, what is the investment that you're making there, and what is the return that you're getting from people? Is it just lead generation uh, platform for you, or is it actually helping you become a better creator, and in what way?
0: Well, I think that I think that's the question. Is that you? We invest money, okay, then and I'm- at the end of the day. I, I basically I, I invest money for in communities for one year. Okay. I mm-hmm. say I commit to one year at the end. I mean, the, the career uh, lab, as you know, is a, is an annual thing anyway. Right. So, uh, so I pay $2,000 for that. So at the end of the year, I have to say, okay, have I created $2,000 worth of opportunities? Is it lead generated? Okay. Have I learned something, one idea that's created me at least $2,000 and th- at the end of the year, I do an audit. If, if it has, then I'll say, okay, great. I will do it again. And if it hasn't, I go on off to another community. I'm also in another community for for newsletters. Um and that's nineteen dollars a month, right? So I dip in, I dip out, I say, Okay, is there any ideas here for me? And that's how I view it, and that's how I sell my community to to my audience as well. I say, look, if you have one idea, right? Uh, uh then the you know, the fee pays for itself, right?
1: Can you share the fee?
0: But my fee is only fifteen dollars a month. Wow,
1: that that's barely any investment
0: exactly it's, it's 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 a newsletter it's a newsletter community basically um and that's what it is and it's all about uh mental models and frameworks to be more creative to overcome our fears but mostly it's about deconstructing because this is my current obsession deconstructing the social conditioning that keeps us trapped right
1: um, can you tell me a, a bit about your products and the pricing range uh and i presume that there is some little funnel right that uh, people Probably start with the maybe paid community for fifteen bucks per month, but they go up to coaching. Uh, can you tell us how it looks like?
0: Yeah, so my, my, my coaching, I do one to one coaching. It's two hundred dollars, and I don't do any um, discovery calls or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I don't have any uh, long term. I don't have oh, this is my six. Uh, this is my six week program or my twelve week. Pro- I don't have any of that at all. I basically meet clients um, and I solve problems. Now that can sometimes that can be one session. Sometimes it's three sessions or four sessions or five sessions. So I don't have any, uh, uh, programs because in the music industry, I never had any program to help an artist have a number one record. You're very much having to work in a very bespoke and authentic way with uh, each individual client. So my, my coaching is very much the same. So yeah, so it's $200 a session and that could be, if it's five sessions, it's a thousand or whatever. Right. And then I've also got, uh, uh, an online digital course, which is uh, only 68 minutes long because it's uh, I kept it deliberately that that length. Uh, and it's got a completion rate of about 56%, which, as you know, and in the industry average is about forty percent if we're lucky, right? And the reason for that is I've kept it really, really short. I've not got really insecure that, hey, I feel really insecure about creating this content. I'm going to put in three hours of fluff to try and justify the uh, fee. And uh, anyway, I charge $125 for that. Is
1: your six-figure business based mostly on your time spent with the clients, or it, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah? I mean, I, I would, I would say, I'd say, coaching is about sixty percent of that, and then obviously, uh, the online online course, um, and then of course the community is a new thing that starts next week. So, but yeah, I mean, but most most of my time is one to ones. Yeah.
1: Would you like to switch the the the, the proportions the other way around?
0: Uh, I'm going to do a wee bit less uh one-to-ones mm-hmm. but i love doing one-to-ones all my content ideas come from one-to-ones i could be having a conversation with a client they say oh, i've got this problem i say okay cool and that then becomes the content but however I'm I'm, I'm I'm changing that a wee bit so in the community it's going to be like a sort of uh uh an advice column or something like that uh community members are going to be able to post problems and i'm going to create try try and create you know, authentic solutions and Mm -hmm. frameworks and mental models to overcome their problems, okay? But uh, the reason I want to do the community is that it gives me accountability uh, because I want to write a book. As I want to write a book about all this. So I said, okay, I'm going to create a community and that way I can do a bunch of real-time experiments because I've got a whole bunch of different frameworks and strategies uh, with the community members and see which ones get the best results and that's the ones I'll get into the book
1: that's um that's amazing having sort of an uh, an audience who pays you uh to to to, so you can test make make tests on them and and create even better products and better offers (laughs) fantastic then uh, we can wrap it up with my favorite section which is uh always reveal some interesting uh, answers a quick fire round, okay? I will ask you quick questions and give me short answers as short as possible. Well, please.
0: I will try and give you short answers, but I do have, yeah. Well, you,
1: you can have a thing. You can have a longer thing. We can cut okay. out the silences, but please try, try to give me short answers. And if not, okay. I'm going to just cut you out completely. <laughs>
0: Fair enough. That's fine. <laughs>
1: okay. Are you a team player or lone wolf?
0: Uh, I'm a lone wolf that uh, creates for the team.
1: Take risks or carefully calculate? Take risks. Mobile or desktop? Uh, desktop. Who inspires you most?
0: Uh, divergent thinkers, uh, every multi to light like that's ever existed.
1: What profession other than your own would you like to attempt?
0: Okay, I, I'd be a full-time author.
1: Good one. What is an underappreciated business tool that you couldn't live without?
0: Uh, authenticity.
1: Uh, what's your productivity life hug?
0: Time blocking really uh, it, it's really tough in the beginning and uh, everyone thinks it doesn't work. But if you stick with it, it will work.
1: And what does success mean to you?
0: Being able to help the younger version of myself uh, avoid uh, or overcome the same issues that I have, uh, or I've, I've experienced, uh, and yeah, live an unconventional business and life.
1: Awesome. Okay, now uh, for a bit of uh, private talk, I need to know how did you make time blocking work? Because I, I loved it, but I couldn't stick with it because always something pops up it, you know, ruins the the calendar box that I was I had blocked for something. Yeah. And then it all falls apart.
0: Okay. So, yeah. I, I, so my problem was, uh, so I'll tell you how it didn't work for me, mm-hmm. right? I used to go between 8 and 12. It's just creativity. And I would go, okay. So I would ter- turn up this desk here at 8 o'clock. I'll go, okay, uh, do I do writing first or do I do the video first? And I'll go, oh, I don't know writing first. Da, da, da. Before I do it, 45 minutes is gone. Then I'm pissed off with myself because I wasted 45 minutes. So then, you know, and if I'm pissed off, my creativity is down. Blah, 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 blah. So it's going to be very, 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 very specific, right? I switch off my phone, okay? So in the mornings, it's all creativity. So from 8 till 10, for, for example, right, it's writing. So mm-hmm. I switch off my phone, and from 8 to 10, I force myself to write, okay? From 10 to 12, let's say I'm doing a, a, an online course, right? So it's, it's building out an online course, right? And then 12 to 12.30, uh, I go for a walk and that gives me a chance to process uh, all my creativity, my ideas. Because often writing is like, uh, you know, jigsaw. It's like, okay, this bit, this bit, where's the thing, right? So I do that and then I have my lunch and then I have one to ones um, and I do three one to ones a day. So um, basically, it's been very hyper specific, but mm-hmm. sticking with it. Because basically, I failed at it so many times. But, uh, but yeah, it's stick- sticking with it and doing things that uh, energize you uh, and don't drain you so for example maybe maybe this podcasting you may maybe doing being a podcast host actually energizes you because you get to speak to other creators and stuff like that right so basically I did a, what I call an energy audit and I went through all the things I went through the day I said you know does this give me energy does it drain me energy mm-hmm. or is it neutral and I removed as much as I could just can't remove everything the things that drain me and focused on the things uh, that energize me so my, my business is really really simple it's writing creating and doing one to ones that's it
1: one last uh, question. Are you the person that starts off the day with the thing that energizes you or the most dreaded task?
0: Uh, I start off the day by getting good dopamine. So I go down, I exercise. And each morning when I'm walking downstairs, I'm going, I don't want to exercise. My brain's coming up with excuses. Why? You don't have to exercise. You've been doing so much exercise. and Take the day off. Blah, 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 blah. I force myself to do my exercise. And then I'm, I've created a positive dopamine, a productive dopamine. And then I get my cup of coffee and I'm straight up here and that's me writing.
1: All right, then I know what I will try starting tomorrow morning. Thank you so much, Jake, for 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 joining. And what happened? Why weren't you swearing? You wanted to swear on this podcast, and you. Well, I, don't not, think, well, <laughs> I, I think I did swear a couple
0: of times, but it's just something that happens naturally to me. So, but yeah.
1: But other I'm than that, I in. absolutely, I absolutely loved it. <laughs> Thank you so much. And um, yeah, your community sounds uh, very interesting to me personally. To be honest.
0: Good. Well, I look forward to seeing you there then.
1: Absolutely. Thanks, Jake.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Well,
1: thanks everyone. I felt like Jake has seen right through me, and I bet I'm not the only one. And uh, thank you to Jake, and thank you for listening to Careers to Play I'll see you around.